Hey, welcome to Trains Live, the Trains.com podcast. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains. Hey, on this episode of Trains Live, well, you you got to be flexible. You have to be able to bend and twist. We're talking about articulated locomotives here on Trains Live. Come on along. A locomotive that, that bends in the middle? Well, it's articulated, of course. And we know some very famous articulated locomotives here in the United States. The, the Union Pacific Big Boy, 4014, and its sisters, the first ones that come to mind. But there's a lot of others out there, and there's a lot of neat history that goes along with these bend-in-the-middle locomotives. Why do we have a locomotive that bends in the middle? Are they better than straight frame locomotives? Where did they come from? Who invented them? What was the quirks in the technology? What, what worked? What didn't work? Well, tell you what, we're, we love to go behind the scenes here on Trains Live, and that's exactly what we're doing today. Trains has a great video series, Great American Locomotives, the first uh, tape or DVD in that series, the first program was on Pacific Locomotives, that particular wheel arrangement. We are now working on uh, the next one in the series and it's going to be, well, you guessed it, on articulated locomotives. And joining me today in Studio B um, is Kevin Gilliam. He is with our video production team here at Trains Magazine. And Kevin is the producer, director, writer, uh, choreographer, videographer, you name it. He's the guy that is putting together articulated locomotives. Kevin, welcome. Uh, good to see you again. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, Kevin actually hangs out out on the East Coast in, in North Carolina so that we can cover things uh, that go on out there. And of course, you know, some, some great railroad activity in the East, but he also works out of his studio there producing things like articulated locomotives. Kevin, welcome back to Trains Live. Good to see you today. Welcome, welcome. Uh... <laughs> For anyone that's not used to North Carolina, Bob, you might have to subtitle me for this one. <laughs> hey, the southern, southern accent works just fine. So, articulated locomotives. Uh, tell me, this, this must be a fascinating project. And okay, I'm going to throw in a little bias. I really kind of like the articulated locomotives. Um, just off the top, what are some of the interesting things you've seen or learned um, in doing this, this video? I think the first thing that you learn is I think when everyone thinks of articulators, they think of these massive engines with a long train in the mountains just slogging it out, just slowly, slowly climbing the grade. And what you learn on this with the development from malaise to compounds to simples, there's a lot more to articulators than you think. By the end, it was basically kind of like the next 
evolution in the high-speed freight locomotive. You have your 282s and maybe 2102s. You know, the 2104s, the 284s. Now you need something that's going to be more powerful than that Berkshire racing across like Wyoming, for for example, the UP Challengers. So where Articulated's went towards the end of steam wasn't as much just climbing the hills. Yeah, they did that. But they also took a heavier train than what you could take with a 284 and race it across the plains or whatever at 60, 70 miles an hour. All of a sudden you have one engine that could handle the job of two Burks. So all of a sudden, there you go. It's new technology, bigger, better, more powerful. But that's not something we really think of when we think of articulated as them being used in that fashion. So we've got a we got a machine, and you, you hit a you hit a big one as far as the railroads are concerned. The economy being able to do more work than a single locomotive. I want to go back to to something you had mentioned kind of right at the beginning of your comment. There, um, we've got compounds, we've got malaise, we've got simple. Uh, articulated locomotives. Um, let, let's go into kind of the differences between those. And um, it seems like the whole idea of articulation started with the idea of compounding steam locomotives. Yeah, where you where you got to begin with is things were growing, but you can only put so many wheels in line on a rigid frame before you start basically outgrowing the tolerances, the railroads, you start having issues with curves. You've basically gotten as big of a rigid frame locomotive as you can get. Well, you can't build it bigger, let's build it better. So the compound okay. basically is let's feed steam into the first set of cylinders and then we'll pipe it to a second set of cylinders. It doesn't really give you any more power but what you're doing is you're using that steam twice. You're getting extra power. It was an economy savings. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we're, we're instead of just steam once and up the stack, we're going to wring every last bit of, of energy out of it that we can possibly, uh, possibly do. Now, if I remember right, there were both straight frame compounds, and then uh, we did have articulated compounds, which yeah. were the malaise, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the originals, you had, you had some kind of like Volklang compounds. I guess one of the uh, few examples, I believe that engine in Philly, the, the Baldwin Demonstrator, I believe is still a compound. Sure. But yeah, so the Malays are basically where most of the compounding, that part survived. Most of the other stuff, it kind of just, you know, the, the technology, it just didn't quite work. We outgrew it. We got better stuff. Okay. So most of those, and especially once you got into the ability to superheat steam, to take that steam, pass it through the boiler a couple of times, raise the steam to a higher temperature, that gives you more power out of the steam. And at that point, you kind of don't need the compounding as much. You got the you got extra power with the superheating that you could get with without other stuff. Okay, you mentioned uh, Volklane. Samuel Volklane, um, engineer, manager, uh, officer for Baldwin Locomotive in Philadelphia, uh, did quite a bit with compounding on Baldwin locomotives. Um, but we also threw out the name Malay in here. Anatole Malay um, was a French, uh, was excuse me, a Swiss-born engineer practicing in France. And Kevin, to me, this seems like kind of one of those those misnomers, if you will. 
Um, you know, when we talk about sleeping cars, it's always Pullman. And we forget about the fact that there was Wagner and there was Barney and Smith and, and others. And it kind of seems like with articulateds and compounds, um, we forget about some of the other names in the game and we focus right on Alan Mallet. Mallet really took compounding the technology that already existed and Mallet was the one that brought in articulation for us. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned, you know, of course, big locomotives that we know for articulateds. Mallet really started off small. Um, his first articulateds was only a 24 inch gauge. So about that distance between the rails. Um, and he made the, he made some small articulated locomotives for the 1889 Paris uh, exhibition um, that ran on a, on a lightweight track. Um, and then from here, of course, the technology comes to the US and we have you know, compounds, we have malaise. And the other one we mentioned was the, the simple articulated. What's going on with those? Okay, well, if in effect, you've got a couple of issues when you got compound articulated. Number one is that cylinder casting for the high pressure, which is the rear cylinders. Really, really, really complicated casting. Alco owned the patent, so if you're using it, you're paying Alco for that patent. Second thing is, and they've sort of found this out with running the former Chesapeake and Ohio 1309 up at Western Maryland Scenic. You're piping steam to those front cylinders, but you're not getting a whole lot of pressure into those front cylinders. So you start slow. You've got a lot of steam. You've got that full cutoff. You're working it hard. You've got a lot of steam coming through. What happens? Same thing when you start a car. You start, maybe you're starting in first gear. You, you get up to highway speed and cruising. You're going to pull that thing back, fourth, fifth, sixth gear, whatever your car has you're gonna save on the economy of steam. Now, remember the comment that I said about not a whole lot of steam going to those cylinders? Sure. You yep. do that on a Malay, it's number one, it starts causing a little bit of trouble. Number two, especially, you know, early Malays, railroads, they're not really competing against anything. You gotta remember it's a business. It's moving freight across the country. When you don't have anything that you're competing against, it doesn't matter how fast that train's moving. Okay. But by the time you get into the 1940s, World War II, you know, the road system's getting better, planes are getting better, trucks are starting to come into the picture. Now you got to get speed. Sure. And that's the problem sure. with compounds is, you know, Norfolk and Western probably did the best with their Y6 compounds. They said you could run them 50 you know, 50 miles an hour plus or minus. We talked to one engineer, he said 63 is the absolute most that he was ever willing to take one of those things. <laughs> and they did better than most. Most of these things mm -hmm. are probably 50 miles an hour or less. They're just not, it was hard to balance all that stuff. All those, you know, you've got a lot of forces going back and forth. Now you've got two sets of cylinders with different weights, different dimensions. You've got all these wheels very, very difficult to balance this stuff. So compounds kind of had some issues. Now, by the time you get to a certain point, you've worked out, you've now got a bigger, you've got basically superpower technology. Lama started it, Roanoke did it pretty soon thereafter, pretty much everyone. You've now got a big boiler, you've got a big firebox. You can you now don't have the issue that you would have had with 
let's say, the triplexes. They're cool, but imagine feeding that much steam to all those cylinders. They were having trouble with that. That's why it didn't survive. But in later years, now you've got that firebox that can keep the boiler supplied. Now you don't need to worry about economy of steam. What's the simplest option? Just feed steam to both sets of cylinders. And that's the simple articulated in a nutshell. Okay. So basically the, the, the Malays, which we had those huge rear cylinders, smaller front, um, now we equalize everything. So like you said, we've, we've got a, a smoother ride. Um, the boilers have grown to the point where they can uh, provide that amount of pressure. Uh, those castings you had talked about for the cylinders that, that Alco had the patent on, was there anything special about those high pressure cylinders um, as opposed to a, a, you know, a regular ordinary cylinder on a steam locomotive? You know, I hadn't seen them. I hadn't seen them exactly. And by the way, let's correct everything while we're here. Mm -hmm. When you had the compound, the big cylinders are up front. The okay. small cylinders are on the back. But yeah, got myself reversed. That, yeah, you got it reversed there. <laughs> uh, so let's let's make sure everyone sure. got it, because otherwise, I'm sure the comment section's going. <laughs> now, Kevin and Bob, we know you have this better than that. Um, but I hadn't seen it. Um, I was talking with. Uh, Gary Benzman from Diversified Rail Services. He's been a huge help to this tape. I haven't seen him torn down up there at Western Maryland Scenic with a 1309, which is one of the only ones, especially when you get into a simpling valve and stuff. And compounds, there are two options with compounds, so let me back up before I get too far. You have engines that start in compound, they stay in compound. You can't do anything, that's the way you're running them. Then in later malaise, what you got is you got a simpling valve, which is you could start that engine, you could force that engine into simple. So if you really had a hard pull, a heavy train, got to get it started. Now you got to push that thing into simple, get a little bit of extra power out of it, which is why if you look at malaise, you'll see here's your tractive effort, let's say 70,000 in compound, 95,000 in simple. That's where that is. So, but all this stuff, it was it was very complicated. That machinery in there, getting the steam, reusing the steam, piping it forward. They tried several things. Alco came up with the best idea for it. They had the patent. Everyone's pay paying Alco for it because, hey, it works. The wheel works. It's a good idea. <laughs> Don't need to reinvent this thing. Sure. Okay. Makes makes perfect sense. Simple, articulated. We cut out the extra machinery that we don't need, probably reduce the maintenance costs a little bit as well. Reduce the maintenance. We, yeah, we get, we get a locomotive that the railroads like here. So so we have, we have the different types. We've got the technology uh, being developed, of course, in Europe, Anatole Malay. Uh, the whole idea of articulation comes over to the US. First US articulated locomotive uh, goes to the Baltimore and Ohio. Um, they had an 0660, the old mod. That locomotive is displayed at the World's Fair in St. Louis in 1904. And this thing is a huge hit. The public loves this new technology, I think mostly because the thing was huge. I mean, at the time, it weighed in at 164 tons, and it was the world's largest locomotive. Now, we know that has obviously changed since then, 164 tons, small today for some of the steam locomotives we've seen roaming around. 
But Kevin, to the point you made, old Maud, they, they worked her on uh, the sand patch grade uh, in Pennsylvania there, and they quickly found out that this machine could basically do two times the work. They, they pretty much eliminated a locomotive uh, by running this articulated, even just in helper service. Pretty, pretty amazing feat for, for the early 1900s. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, you got to think at that point, you know, you got to think the 280 is the big locomotive. You know, we think of some of this stuff, we think of a, you know, we think of a 280 consolidation. They're running everywhere. They're small. At the time, they were big. They were the road locomotive. Maybe you're starting, maybe you've got a couple of the really early 282 Mikados coming in there. But just think, you've got a 280, now all of a sudden you've got an articulated beside it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see this huge jump in size and power that you've got with this new locomotive here. I want to see very quickly, I've got, uh, we'll talk about it on the bookshelf a little later on, but I've got the American Steam Locomotives Design and Development from 1880 to 1960, a book by uh, William Wethune, who was the uh, curator of transportation for the American History, the Smithsonian's American History Museum. And you know, let's take a, let me get a look at old Maud there. Well, kind of a, a gangly looking thing. I mean, not, uh, it, was, it was utilitarian to say the least. Not much in the, uh, the way of beauty when you think of the B&O's uh, royal blue lines and uh, you know, some of their passenger trains that existed at the time and, and were yet to come afterwards. So yeah, this, this was a workhorse. No, no two ways around it. <laughs> so let me ask you, what other, um, what other odd articulateds have you come across in putting together um, this particular program? I think the, I mean, obviously the triplexes are kind of interesting just because of what they are eerie. I think one of the strangest ones, and I don't know if it's even, we're even going to have it in the program, is the Southern Railway tried this with this. They tried what they called tractor engines. They take a 260 or a 280 frame and the running gear and kind of mount it under the cab and the tender, trying sort of like a home built articulated. And these, they're trying to run these things. Number one, they're trying to run them hand fired, no stokers. Number oh, two, they said there were all this, there was, they said there was all this piping and they said they were losing so much steam trying to do it. And then you kind of have the Garrett and the Fairley problem, which is you've got this second set of drivers under the tender. The further you go down the road, you got less water, you got less coal in that tender. Now you've got less weight on those drivers. So the further you go down the road, the less effective the other the mechanism becomes to begin with. <laughs> so okay. it's one of these, you know, you look at it and you're like, what were they thinking? <laughs> and then imagine the poor fireman. Now he's got to run, you know, basically hand firing these things. And, you, you know, you can just see that this was a challenge for everybody to do. Yeah, this is this. This sounds like it's uh, it's more of a very sadistic exercise machine than it is actually something that's going to be practical to to run on a railroad. You had mentioned the, the Erie Triplex. We'll get get Skycam dialed in here again. We got a little picture of, of the Erie Triplex. And if you'll notice, we've got a pilot truck, we've got a set of driving wheels with cylinders, so one engine under the front here, 
Um, a second set of cylinders uh, connected to more driving wheels, supporting the firebox and the cab. Okay, basically a, a, a articulated design at this point. But then, if you notice right under the cab here, we've got another set of cylinders. And as you had mentioned, Kevin, there's that next set of driving wheels and a trailing truck holding up the tender. And yeah, as, as we're taking out the water and the coal, I can see where, where we're going to start having problems getting some effort out of the uh, that back set of uh, the back engine back there on the Erie Triplex. Um, was Do you know, was the Erie the only railroad that tried the Triplex locomotive or was there anybody else out there who... The, the Virginian tried it also. Um, there might have been one more, but you also have to remember at the time, this is pre-superpower. You have a firebox that can't, and a boiler, they're running out of steam on these things. You can't, you got three sets of cylinders eating up steam at a prodigious rate. Sure. So, you know, we look at it and it's pretty cool, but if you look at the economics of the whole thing, it's just, they couldn't keep it going. You know, maybe in later years, it's kind of interesting if they would have ever gone back to something along that line much later on, mm -hmm. but, you know, they couldn't keep, they, these things were literally running out of steam on the railroad. And there's there's accounts of these early articulators and triplexes and stuff. You know, you're not getting anything out of it. You can't, you know, it would literally run out of steam if you pushed it too hard for too long. Sure. Because the boiler just couldn't make enough. All right. Uh, we are talking with Kevin Gilliam from Trains Magazine's video department. Kevin is currently working on the next in the series of the Great American Steam Locomotives video productions. Um, the first one, of course, was the Pacific class locomotives. Now working on articulateds like we've been talking about here. Kevin, you know, when we, we talk about articulateds, um, you know, well, the technology came into the country in the US, or came into the US with the Baltimore, Ohio in the East. But when we start thinking about articulateds, we're, we really think about, you know, the West. I mean, we think about the, the Challengers, the, the 4664s on a number of different uh, railroads in the West, the Union Pacific, uh, Denver Rio Grande Western. Um, I have a photo right here of a Challenger locomotive on the Northern Pacific, um, one of the, the bigger locomotives that they ran. The Southern Pacific had uh, not necessarily challengers, but articulated locomotives um, beyond the, the cab forwards that, that everyone is, is so familiar with. Uh, again, an older photo here of a 2882. And um, the Southern Pacific also had some semi-streamlined uh, articulated locomotives. Kind of one of my, my favorites in the articulated uh, arena, if you will. But, you know, Everything I just ticked off is is Western uh, locomotives. What about out east? I mean, where you live there in North Carolina, we got the Appalachian Mountains. Um, articulation out east, what, what did the railroads do? You got a lot of stuff. You got some of the best stuff. We <laughs> had Challengers. Delaware and Hudson had Challengers. The Clinchfield had Challengers. Western Maryland had Challengers. We can probably hey. take on a whole a whole other debate as to whether some of these classes were actually best served for the railroads that they were running. But you had, I mean, Southern Railway had 2882 articulated. Some were compounds, some later got turned into simples at the end. Norfolk and Western, they had compound 2882 Malays, the Y6s. 
Later, they had the two 664 Class A's moving on the other parts of the system. Chesapeake and Ohio, you had the Alleghenies. Baltimore and Ohio, your favorite, the EM-1. Oh, All yeah, of these yeah. really, really good, big, powerful, monstrous locomotives here. You know, we have lots of coal reserves, lots of mountains, lots of grades. I mean, pretty much about the only thing that didn't have really much for articulated says the Pensy and well, you know, they just went down their own path. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask about, um, you know, in the East, like you said, there is a host of railroads that had articulated. Um, and then you get the Pennsylvania going right through the heart of the Appalachian mountains in Pennsylvania. And they experimented with a few. And I know they played with the idea of the compounds, but Man, they just they just like backed away from uh, the articulated almost completely, and I mean, how could how could you know with the articulated being proven as an economical tool, were they wringing that much more out of their standard their straight frame locomotives, or is there as you have you discovered any reason why they just said no nah, we don't want to, we don't want to mess with this technology? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I could make the <laughs> I could make the, the running joke that we have down here that the Pensy was the standard railroad of the world and others were deluxe, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't want, I don't want too many Pensy fans getting upset with me. I mean, they, but for whatever reason, they just, they just didn't like them. They had the, they had the 2104s, which were basically, those are basically Lima products, you know, just mm -hmm. an extended Berkshire. They had, and then they had all this, you know, duplex stuff you have the s1s you have the t1s you have these really really strange things that juniata was thinking up and it sounds like they made a whole bunch of one-off designs there's obviously some really really smart people there but i don't know maybe it's something in the water up there in altoona <laughs> but they just went down a different path than everyone else <laughs> you know and it, it seems you know for all the experimentation that they did um, and, and like you said, you know, the Juniata shops came up with, with some marvelous pieces of equipment. It, it just, it, it's one of those things that just strikes you as funny that they did not embrace um, the, the articulated technology. It, interesting, interesting. They didn't embrace it. And I mean, you got to remember, they had a controlling interest in the NNW. It's like 30% controlling interest. I mean, they, they tested they tested a class A. They tested, I mean, they even tested the class J's. They sent a T1 down to Roanoke for the NW to test it. There was a lot of this stuff back and forth, but for whatever reason, they just wanted to do things, they just wanted to do it their own way. <laughs> All right. Hey, they they had their method to their madness. So um, let me step over to Mr. Bob's railroad bookshelf for a moment. We got a we're kind of loaded down with some really good books here today. It was it was kind of hard to choose which ones to to bring along. Um, one that I had showed you a little earlier. Um, this is American steam locomotives, the development and design, 1860 
1960, uh, William Mattoon, the late William Mattoon, was the uh, curator of transportation for the Smithsonian's Museum of American History. Um, folks, if you're ever in Washington, D.C., do go see that museum. Um, the railroad exhibit there is, is pretty spectacular. Mathoon in this book walks you through the development of the American locomotive and everything that we have been talking about here today, you're gonna to find in the book here um, in a great amount of detail, uh, the, the reasoning behind some of the designs, how the technology works. Um, this book is gonna be a very easy one to find. It is still in production. Um, it's, a, it's a very good read. It's a good reference volume for you. Um, the other thing that we wanna take a look at, of course, you're going to need some pictures uh, to envision all of these. And, and folks, probably one of the classic model guides, train guides. Uh, and listen, folks, even it says model railroader, don't worry. It's trains. It's good information. Steam locomotives, the model railroader encyclopedia, volume one, all steam locomotives. This book has been around forever and ever and ever. You can still find them uh, in some hobby shops online. Definitely a library book. But the thing I want to show you about this is that the diagrams that are in here are just incredible. Um, they will look, we'll look at a particular type of locomotive. In this particular case, um, Chesapeake and Ohio, Virginian uh, 2666s. Uh, scale drawings from the tender all the way through the locomotive, cross sections, good volume if you have never taken and played with this or seen one of these to get some good basic information about some of these big locomotives, other locomotives as well, plus plenty of good pictures in that one. So that is the, the model railroader, steam locomotives, the Cyclopedia volume one. Um, well, of course, probably one of the more famous articulated the Union Pacific Big Boys, and uh, this is a uh, the Union Pacific Big Boy book that we put out here at Trains a couple years ago when 4014 was being restored. Um, dial into KalmbachHobbyStore.com. KalmbachHobbyStore.com. You can still find this book there. Um, the complete story of the big boys and that particular articulated locomotive. And of course, a look at the restoration and, and eventual operation, the one that is out there of the big boys running today. Other one that I've got on the bookshelf for you. This one's heavy. This is a, this is a two volume uh, set. Um, the Locomotive Encyclopedia, the Locomotive Cyclopedia. Um, and if you notice, even right on the cover, both volumes, they got articulated right on the cover of these. And the neat thing about these, just like with uh, model railroad or steam locomotives, um, there is some beautiful drawings in here. Um, you know, Kevin, we were talking about some odd railroads that had steam locomotives. How about the Kansas City Southern? Some 2880s, they're G2S uh, class. You wouldn't think about the, the Kansas City Southern in the Midwest having articulateds. Um, but again, the neat thing about this book, we've got diagrams. If you really want to, to study in on these, uh, there you go. Did you Were you aware that the Kansas City Southern was was running some articulateds? <laughs> no, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. I know they had some big, uh, was it, two, I know they had some 2104s, but. Uh, we'll have to, yes, they did have, yeah, yeah, straight frame. But yeah, they had, they ran some articulateds. I'm going to imagine through uh, 
through the mountains in, in Arkansas, um, they would have, yeah, would have needed some of this stuff. So there you go. Plenty of good things about articulated locomotives on the bookshelf today. Um, and of course, the first in the series, Great American Steam Locomotives on the Pacific wheel arrangement. The next one out, Articulated Locomotives, which Kevin Gilliam is putting together. Um, dare I ask when it'll be available? <laughs> oh, geez, that's you beyond can... me. But we should be done. We should be getting done with editing it here in the near future. It, uh, right. As much as anything, it depends on whether I decide to weigh in on the great Allegheny and Blue Ridge two six 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 controversy. <laughs> well, All right. Some drama. And, you want some drama and railroading? Go look <laughs> up the. Uh, Go look up the story of the Alleghenies and the Virginian copies. They called them Blue Ridge on theirs. But there's, <laughs> you, you want to talk about battles going back and forth. There's some, there's a wonderful, wonderful story in there with those engines. All right, fantastic. Listen, you're gonna to have to get the video to to explore all of these things. KalmbachHobbyStore.com, the big boy book, the first in the series on great American steam locomotives, and then be watching for when Articulated Locomotives comes out. Kevin, good having you aboard Trains Live here again. Thank you very much. Best of luck with Always wrapping up the video. All right. We will, uh, we will be watching for the video. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com Unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive routing news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains.